if you're a, a visitor or fairly new today, I'm going to do my best to explain what all's going on. And I was thinking, even when we were singing that hymn, Power in the Blood, and I thought, well, if someone doesn't really know much about Christianity, and these guys are singing about power in the blood, you might think, well, what are these guys on about? So if you have questions, don't think it's um, something that's uh, not appropriate. Come and talk to us, but I will try to explain as we go through today's service because today is really a very important part of us remembering. Um, it's a symbol. Now, I brought this here um, just for emergencies today. Um, but you know what? This has become a symbol to me. And it may be for you. What, what do you reckon this is a symbol of? Yeah, it's a COVID. It, this, this, I think, for the rest of my life is going to remind me of COVID because it was one year ago that this began, I think it was March, about this time last year, that there was this really strange thing happening. I would go into the supermarket, and uh, in the Coles or Woolies, there was not a single one of these. It was just cleared out. And, um, you know, it, it still puzzles me, but I know it was a lot of uncertainty at that point in time, you know, this was all starting to unfold. And, and there was, you know, I was, I was uncomfortable. What, what's happening? Why is everyone buying the toilet paper? I was scared. You know, it really, it really frightened me. And, you know, here we are a year later, and we know um, probably toilet paper is not the thing we should be stocking up on. Um, and I would say uh, that you're here in church, you're doing what, is the most important thing to do by being here today in a crisis, when a worldwide pandemic, which we're still not seeing the end of, and we are blessed, but I did see a notice on my phone this morning, you know, there's a lockdown at PA Hospital right here in Brisbane, a doctor's got it, He's, he was out in the community for a day or something, so, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, I guess, as we watch the news in the next few days, uh, we might end up having more restrictions here, but the thing is, we're blessed to be where we are. And, you know, I shared a, probably almost two months ago now about my dad back in America getting COVID. And, you know, I thought that would be it. And I'm just praise God for the miracle that he survived. But, you know, there, there is something that about toilet paper is always going to remind me. And I can say, you know, if this world carries on for another 20 years and, um, you know, I'm talking to my grandkids, you know, I'll be able to tell them how this toilet paper reminds me as a symbol of something I lived through, and that is a worldwide pandemic. But today we're looking at something that's a symbol that started a few thousand years ago, and it's really to remind us of the most important thing that's ever happened, and that is that Jesus, the Son of God, came and became a man, and he became a man to save us and to build a relationship with us and to be with us. You know, over the last few months as we started this year, um, you know, we've really been trying to bring us all to a real spiritual strong point. And we started with two weeks of prayer and fasting, and I know many people participated in that. And I know myself, you know, I found that was a, a real refreshing time. God taught me some things as I went through that, and I think it was you too. And then we went on into a series about personal revival, again, going into how important it is for us to be filled with the Spirit and how God's Spirit has helps us to live our daily lives and how important that we are asked 
the Holy Spirit to come into us every day, daily. You know, we don't ask for it now and then just go on and forget about it. And as we look at Jesus Christ who came, he was the Son of Man. He's the one that lived the perfect life. But we find in Scripture, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, it says that he was filled with the Spirit. And I think, you know, what made Jesus perfect was not because of his humanity. It was because he relied 100% on the Spirit that filled him. And we have the same spirit available to us, and that's why we need it to fill us every day so that we can start to overcome that sinful nature that we were born with. But it is a daily battle, and today hopefully is a point that we can say, hey, I'm going to really keep focusing and, and be better. Because all of us, I think, you know, we'd have to admit we fall short, and we have great intentions and we maybe even, you know, read the Bible, spend time in God's Word, we pray. But, you know, things are still... The more, it's kind of like the closer you get to God, the closer and the more you grow spiritually, the more you realize that the further you've got to go. Um, but if you're struggling with your prayer life, if you're struggling getting into God's Word and trying to grow spiritually, you know, it's most likely there's some sort of roadblock there. And what are the roadblocks? Well... To, to sum it all up, it's, it's, it's what's in the middle of the word sin. What letter? I. Okay? It's about pride and selfishness. Me thinking about myself and not others. And as we as Christians actually realize and, and ask God to help us to look outward instead of inward, then that's a real starting point. But, you know, what is it? What is it that's holding you back? You know, it's hard to get down and really pray and connect with God when you're feeling guilty and guilt and shame. And many of us live with that because we know that there are things in our life that shouldn't be there. And we're not doing anything about it. You know, and many of these things are often things that are secret. That maybe only you know about or a few people know about. Maybe it's something you're participating in. Maybe it's something you're watching. Something that you know that, that, that's not right. And I want to challenge you today as we take part in this special um, remembrance service that it's not something you just participate in, but it's actually about you renewing that commitment. Communion is really us, like little mini baptisms. And many of us have been baptized, but this is a reminder of that commitment we made, the vows we made of baptism. Some of us haven't been baptized. And really to take part in communion, and everyone, it doesn't matter if you're part of our faith or not, all you need to do is believe in Jesus. If you believe that Jesus came and died, shed his blood for you, then you're welcome to participate today. Um, but I would encourage you, if you're not sure, then don't participate. And we'll look at that in Scripture in just a moment. What's your favorite meal? Shout it out. What is it? <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> Most of us have a favorite meal. Um, my favorite meal probably would be Mexican. You know, I love Mexican food, tacos and burritos and quesadillas and angeladas and those sort of things. I, I love, especially if it's made really good. You know, when I was at um, Loma Linda University in Southern California, we go down to San Diego and you're right on the border of Mexico and, and there's some of the, you don't get more, much more genuine Mexican than there. And it was beautiful food. But now I want to ask you, think after you think about that that food that you like best, then who would you like to share your favorite meal with? 
You know, just think for a moment. Who would you like to share it with? You know, you really never know someone well until you've had a meal with them. And we find this is so true because right through Scripture we find that Jesus went and, and, and would have meals with people. What did he do with Zacchaeus when he said, come down from that tree? I'm going to come and I'm going to have a meal with you. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to have a connection. You know, eating together is important. It's, it's actually a, a special thing that we're going to continue to do in the kingdom because it's one of the great pleasures of life, um, eating and uh, sharing a meal together. You really never know someone until you do this. Now, Jesus, how many meals did he share with his disciples? Well, you know, he was three and a half years, really, that he was with them, and they probably shared three meals a day, you know, so a lot of meals. What happened during those meals with Jesus? There was great connections. I can imagine there was great discussions, many questions asked, many questions answered, um, much laughter. I can imagine them sitting around and laughing and just, you know, joking together. You know, this is the way that we build relationships. And I know, I know Karen, as we are really worked hard, I've shared with you, rebuilding our relationship. And often we'll find that we're chatting and laughing together. And it's just like, man, isn't it good that we're laughing together? Something about that. And, you know, one of the things that's really helping us is, is getting back on track, our date night. I think throughout our relationship, you know, we thought, oh, yeah, we should have a date night. And many of you couples out there can relate to me. You know, you want to have a, a, a date night with your husband, but life takes over, especially when you got kids involved and, you know, you're trying to get them to bed, trying to get them to do homework, trying to uh, do this and do that. And sometimes these things get pushed aside. But anyway, we've ended up finding that the only night we could do it was a Sunday night. So Sunday night's our date night. And um, Karen's favorite food is Thai food. So she loves going to this little Thai restaurant. I'm getting a bit tired of it, so I'm encouraging us to spread out. But, but it doesn't matter what food we have. The important thing is that we sit down and we look at each other and we talk and we share. And I just want to tell you that is so important for our relationships with our fellow human beings. But it's also important in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Um, you know, meals with Jesus was a real connection time. Laughter and smiles happen there. And here in Scripture, it says in Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now, now Hebrews is, is a book that's really about, I guess the theme would be how that Jesus is the high priest. He's the one that actually is our intercession with us and God. He's the, the, the one that's the link. And, and so it's a great book. And here he talks about the life of faith. Now, as Christians, we believe in a thing that's called righteousness by faith. So all of us here today can claim to be righteous, not because we are perfect, but because we have faith in Jesus who was. And that's really what, in a nutshell, what righteousness by faith is. And so here in this verse, it's saying that we're living a life by faith. How do we do that? By daily surrender, by daily being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it's just those things that we've been going through. And then it says, let us strip off every weight that, sh that slows us down. Every weight that slows us down, especially 
Well, let me just go to that for a minute. So what are the weights? You know, this is kind of fits in with our model that we're following as a church. You know, the first step is knowing God. The second is to find freedom. Those weights that weight us down are the burdens, the guilt, the things that cause you guilt and shame, the things that are stopping you from having a good relationship with God and a good relationship with people, showing love. And, and whatever those are, he says, just take them off. And he's, the analogy here is about running a race, you know. You don't want to have a lot of weight on if you're running a race. And uh, sometimes we're trying to be a Christian, but we're carrying all these burdens. And we're just, you know, it's the Pilgrim's Progress, for those who are familiar, you know, it's a kind of a similar analogy to that journey as a Christian. And God just wants to free us. He wants to lighten our load. But we, we're determined and we're stubborn and we think we can do it ourselves. And, and it's not often until we're just falling on our face until we actually realize, God, I can't do it. You know, I wish it hadn't gotten to this. But God, I can't do it anymore. And it, it goes on here. It says, especially the sin. Now, I just want to really bring that in. The sin. And I think probably all of us, if we evaluate, if we look into our own life, there's, there's usually a, a particular sin that really we struggle with. You know, whether it's... You know, the, the list is very long. I don't have to name them. But, you know, when it comes back to it, 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 it's probably related to that middle letter of sin about being selfish, about me trying to indulge myself in whatever it is, whatever earthly pleasure. And even though I know it's not healthy for my relationship with God and probably not healthy for the relationship of those closest to me either, but I continue to, to have that sin. God wants to free us from that. And so that we can ease, because this easily trips us up, and it, it, this can let us run with endurance. Now, how many of you are good endurance runners? I was never a good endurance runner. Whenever I'd run long distance, you know, it, a few laps around the field, even when I was a kid, I'd get a stench in my side. I, I never had that ability. You know, I've been more of a, um, a person that short bursts of energy I was better at than the, the endurance side of things. But God says, hey, I will help you. I will give you the endurance to run the race. And the race is a daily race that we do by living the life in the Spirit. And if we do that, there's real joy involved. And, and this is really what I want to bring to us, because if you really want joy, and most of us, I think, do, you know, joy is a great word. Joy and happiness and just being uh, satisfied with who we are, what we're doing here, and where we're going, this is what it's all about. Well, this joy really only comes from knowing Jesus. Jesus is what brings joy to us. But the other thing, and this is the next verse here in Hebrews that tells us, is that we are what actually brings joy to Jesus. Wow, that kind of really flips on our head a little bit because we always think, you know, we, we're thinking about ourselves. But listen, Jesus longs for us to accept the salvation, the sacrifice he did for us, and, and that brings him great joy. And so as we read this verse, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by... Oh, sorry, wrong one. The next verse, too. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know, this, this brings back to my favorite hymn. I think it's 190 in the old hymn book. Um, or is it 290? Been a while since I've looked it up. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Um, you know... Then the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, that, that to me is so powerful. That's been life-changing as I've 
been able to practice that in my life. And it says, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So again, back to that, that righteousness by faith. Our, our, our righteousness is perfected not because of anything we do, but because of what Jesus has already done for us. And because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, this is what we're celebrating today, and this is what we're remembering, that great sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And so, what Jesus longs for, what brings him joy, is to be with us. And uh, we find that in that great passage towards the end of Jesus' ministry, we find in John 14, when he makes this promise in John 14 about he's going to prepare a place for his disciples. And then in verse 3, he says, and everything, when everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And this is what he longs for, is to be with us. Um, unfortunately, because of sin, we struggle with this. If we go back to the story of when he called his first disciple, do you know who the first disciple? There was 12 of them, of course. The first disciple that was called was Peter. And Jesus used Peter's boat. Him and his three business partners were fishing. And they'd been fishing all night, didn't catch a single thing. And they were cleaning their nets. And Jesus, Jesus said, can I stand in your boat? Because he had the crowds around him. Jesus had this way where people just fed on his words. It was powerful words. And so he stood in the boat and he spoke to the crowd. But he also spoke to those four fishermen, and particularly Peter. And when he had finished, he said, push the boat out and throw your nets over the side. And, you know, they first looked at him like he's a bit crazy. We're the fishermen, not you, Jesus. But they, they were so touched by what they heard him say that they did it without questioning. And, of course, the Bible says that the net just filled so full of fish that the nets begin to rip. And, and this, this impacted Peter so much. But what Peter did when he realized who Jesus was, he said, get away from me, Jesus. I'm a sinner. And and that's really what our natural self says is we realize we're sinners. We don't want to be in the presence of Jesus. We can't be in the presence of him, of God, without Jesus really because God is perfect. But Jesus came and became a man to build that bridge and the link and allow us to have that connection with God. And so what did Jesus say to to Peter when he said that? He, He said... Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of, 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 of your sins. I've come to save you. And he goes on, and that's when he says, I'm, I'm going to make you a fisher of people. And, and we know that was uh, the other, his brother, um, Andrew, uh, Peter, and, and J- James and John. All four of those men became the first four disciples to follow Jesus. Um. Have you ever been separated from someone you love? Most of us have. Probably in the last year, more people around the world have been separated from people they love than ever before. You know, lots of people have been separated. And even within the same countries, we've had borders closed from states to states, and it's great to get back together. And, you know, that's one of the fears I had with my dad, that he would get COVID and I wouldn't be able to see him again. And I'm thankful that he survived, but also know another lady who I spoke to this week and last week, her mother died in another country, and she's not able to go back, and my heart bled for her, I felt for her, you know. People are separated from the people they love, and this is what it's like for Jesus. COVID is like sin, and sin is what separates us from God, and, and Jesus says, hey, 
I want to get rid of that thing that separates me. So that's why he came and died on the cross and got rid of the sin or the COVID. So there would no longer be that separation and he could reconnect with us. And, you know, I think of who, who I, I mean, I love all my family, but um, I de- desperately miss my mother. Um, she, she, you know, I was her pride and joy. I was the youngest of three. And, you know, my brother and sister tell you I was probably spoiled and she loved me more than the rest. But, you know, I, I had a good, and when I came to Australia in 1994, man, you know, there was no internet then. I think about 95 is when the worldwide internet first started. And, of course, um, even in 2006, when I lost my mom, she still hadn't got up to scratch with using a computer and using email. So, you know, but we used to pay a dollar a minute just to talk to each other. That's how much it costs, a dollar a minute, you know. And, uh, but she, no week went by when my mother didn't ring me. And there were four times my mother flew to Australia in her 70s to come and be with me. You know, that's a pretty brave thing for a, a woman to do at that age all by herself. And... Um, I love my mother and I miss her. But you know what? I'm only separated from her temporarily because when she died in 2006, I know that she's resting. And she's resting until Jesus comes and I'm going to see her again. And, and, and that's how Jesus feels about us. You know, he just can't wait to be with us. And, and, and he promises he's preparing a place with us and we can be with him again. Now, before we go into this... Um, communion service. As a church, the Seventh-day Adventist church is, is fairly unique in the way we practice communion. And one thing that we've done is, is we do what's called foot washing. Now because uh, of COVID, we're, we're not allowed to do foot washing. But I still want to reflect on why we do foot washing and get us just to think a little bit about it as we prepare ourselves mentally and spiritually to take part in the, in the bread and the wine, which represents Jesus' body and blood. Now, as Jesus went to have his last meal, remember we've been talking about how Jesus loved having meals and sharing meals, and that built the relationships. Well, Jesus knew. He knew this was it. And that last supper, as it's called, was, was a very uh, solemn experience and a very important meal for Jesus because he knew this is the last meal he's going to be having with those he loved most, I guess we're closest to. You know, he loves us all, but, but he was very close to them. And, and he was preparing them for something because he knew he was going away. And, and I think about this and, and, and often when it must have been so discouraging as we read in Scripture about Jesus when he went to um, this upper room. And normally they had a, um, a servant that would wash the feet, but nothing had been arranged. And so they go and, and no one's feet had been washed. But, and the, and the, the disciples who had been with Jesus for three and a half years, the, the, they were friends None of them were going to be humble enough and, 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 and lower themselves to a point that they would get down and were going to play the part of a servant and wash dirty, smelly feet. And of course, many of you know that what happened is Jesus himself took a towel and knelt down and began washing the feet of the disciples. And to me, this is such a moving experience. Jesus, the creator God, the God, the one who deserves our worship, came down and washed dirty, smelly feet. That is a very humbling experience. And, and that's why we practice that, because it's about us humbling ourselves, and it's also about us making right wrongs. It's about forgiveness. Do you know that he even washed Judas' feet? And he knew already that Judas had made plans to betray him. 
Judas, his friend, was going to stab him in the back. But that didn't stop Jesus. Jesus didn't tell Judas, no, I don't want you in here. You know, he continued to love him and to pray for him. And he washed his feet. And he sat around the table with Judas and allowed Judas to participate in the bread and the wine with him. And in that famous painting, I love of Leonardo da Vinci's, most of us have seen it, of the Last Supper. But do you know that, that picture, if, next time you look at it, look at the pose. Because Leonardo da Vinci was catching the moment. In scripture, it says that Jesus said the next person, uh, that, no, he said that one of you are going to betray me. And all the disciples were like, what? And their, and their reaction, you look at that photo, they're like pointing at themselves. Is it I? Is it I? You know, and in a way, we all have betrayed him. We have a problem in this church. And I'm sorry to lay this on you. But we have a lot of Judases here. If I'm looking at you eye to eye, if you I'm catching, and I'm making you feel uncomfortable, I'm doing that on purpose. Because when I look in the mirror, I'm a Judas too. Because all of us, all of us are Judases. All of us at times get on our own agenda. See, Judas was the treasurer. Judas had all the best intentions. Oh, well, they're going to catch Jesus eventually anyway. I might as well make some, some money. So he sold him for 30 pieces of silver and told him it's not like he's going to be able to hide for long. You know, I'm sure he had... Plenty of reasons to rationalize his decision. But he betrayed Jesus. How many times have we betrayed Jesus? If I think back at my life, I betrayed Jesus so many times, but he keeps forgiving me. He says, I mean, you're still my son. I still love you. I still want to save you. I haven't given up on you. He hasn't given up on any of us. Don't give up on him. We just need to handle the situation better. We need to be like Jesus in the way we treat others. We need to be forgiving. Even when we know that someone stabbed us in the back, someone's talked bad about us, someone's done something that hurt us, how should we treat them? Look to Jesus. Keep, keep treating them with love. Keep treating them with forgiveness. Don't, don't, don't fall into the trap of letting... Um, resentment and hatred and, and un, disrecord build up inside you. So, when all this was kind of done, they shared that meal together. And that's what we're going to go into. Now, before we do, I want to just take a prayerful moment because we're not able to do foot washing. But I'm just going to ask everyone with me to just close your eyes. As we close our eyes together, I want to ask you to just think about somebody. Maybe start with people in your own household. Think of some, maybe some of the challenges, some of the feelings, some of the ways, things, words you maybe have said that have been hurtful. Maybe um, someone said things that were hurtful to you and you're holding resentment, you're holding feelings there that are holding you back from having the, the close relationship you need. And now I want you to broaden that circle maybe with some people you work with, people from church, people in your neighborhood, people you have acquaintances with, and I think all of us can think of someone that's done things to hurt us, things that have just 
like Judas, betrayed us. Now I just want to pray. Lord, as we've thought about things that make us uncomfortable, feelings that we don't like, feelings that stir up emotions that aren't really loving emotions, they're not emotions that build relationships, they're emotions that break relationships. Lord, we just want to give all those emotions, all those feelings, all those bad things to you, Lord. Take them. Help us to be more forgiving. Help us to be more humble. Help us to not be too proud to bend down and serve someone, even when they know we know that they've done us wrong. Lord, prepare our hearts now. So as we take part in these ornaments, that it will truly be us recommitting to you in a way that changes and transforms our lives. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this scriptures that we're going to look at as we take part in the, the bread and the wine, it says here in 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, so then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to what? Examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. That's really what that prayer was about. That's really what foot washing is about, us examine ourselves and realizing our unworthiness. And so I just encourage you to examine yourself. If you don't really feel comfortable that you're at a place where, hey, I'm, I'm, I can do this with a clear conscience, feel free just to sit there. You don't have to participate. No one's going to judge you, okay? Because it's actually quite a strong words there that we shouldn't take part unless we really are doing it with sincerity. Or, or, and and uh, it's not saying that there's any reflection on you if you don't. So I just want to really drive that in, that that's important. And I also want to invite a couple of our elders that are going to help me as we go through this. And while they're coming up, um, I'm going to just ask you to, if you're going to take part in communion, there should be, every other chair should have a little uh, cup that looks like this, okay? If we can just grab that out. Um, now, we did have a limited number of these, so you might not have one. So a couple of our um, Ushers are going to be coming around, and they'll be, if you didn't get one, so look straight in front of you, there's not one, look to the right, look to the left. If you've missed out, um, just hold your hand up, okay, and um, a couple of our uh, ushers here will be coming around. Just keep your hand up, and they'll make sure you get one of these cups in your hand. Um, these are our, uh, I guess we call our COVID uh, communion packs. And um, there's a, a simple little wafer that's in the top of this. And so I'll explain how to open that in a moment. But first, we just need to make sure everyone gets one. So if everyone can, that wants to participate have one of these cups, and then we'll continue. So I'll just explain a little bit how it works while we're waiting for them to be passed out. So there's kind of a, a smaller film, but um, sometimes it doesn't work exactly right. So when you peel it off, you might peel off and get the grape juice. There's like a layer, there's a, a, a clear film on the very top. 
So if you, you do that clear one, you get to the bread, the little wafer that's in there. Okay, so there's, it's a little bit tricky to separate sometimes. If you do accidentally peel the whole thing back, just don't spill it until we get to the, um, the part where we're going to drink the, the wine. It's only grape juice. It's not wine. It's not alcoholic. Um, and again, everyone is invited that wants to, to participate in this. Um, but uh, we do want you to do it in, in the right um, spirit. And that is the, accepting Jesus' sacrifice for us. Okay, any more hands up? Everyone that needs one has one? Excellent. Okay, now, guys, can you just bring one up for my elders here? I need just two more up here. Thanks, Glenn. That's it. Okay, if we can just, uh, if you guys could just make sure if there's anyone out in the foyer or anywhere that wants to participate. And what we'll do now, I've asked Marlene as one of our elders to just say, a prayer blessing before we take part in in the bread, which represents Jesus's body. Thanks, Marlene. Thank you. I'd like everyone um, to bow their heads or kneel, whatever's comfortable for you. Dear Lord Jesus, during your last hours alive on this earth as human flesh, you gathered your friends together to celebrate Passover. This ancient ceremony was meant to commemorate the salvation of the Israelite people from bitter bondage in Egypt. The unleavened bread of this Passover feast symbolised the haste with which your people left Egypt. But when you broke that bread and gave it to your disciples that fateful night, a new emblem was created. The broken bread became a symbol of your broken body given so that mankind could be saved. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this selfless act and may we continue to be mindful of this sacrifice, not only on ordinance days, but every day of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you should have um, the cups and the little wafer on the top. Um, this is just a symbol, again, just like um, uh, we explained of Jesus' body. I mean, some people teach this is literally his body. Um, we, we believe that this is only a symbol of, of remembering Jesus' body that was broken, that went through pain and suffering for us. And so as I read this scripture this, uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, when we get to the point where it says, that this, uh, we do this in remembrance of him, we'll all take part in it together. Let me see if I can manage to get my wafer. There we go. just might go to the next slide. This thing's not changing. Can someone help me with getting this on the right scripture I want up? So, go back one. No? Go forwards? (laughs) Thank you. 
For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And now we're going to ask Ro, another one of our elders, to say a prayer over the wine. Thanks, Ro. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we are reminded of what Pastor Mike just said earlier on. When, when Peter met Jesus, said, get away from me. I'm a sinner. But thank you that Jesus said, do not be afraid. That's the reason why that night before he died, Jesus lifted up the cup and said, this is the blood of my, of my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. That's why we can acknowledge the symbol of our forgiveness from our sins. It's also a symbol of life. And having that promise, we know that we can see you face to face with boldness someday because of the forgiveness of our sins and of the new life that you've given us. Thank you for that wonderful promise. And Jesus said, take it, take it. So we take it, Lord, with gratitude from our heart as, as we acknowledge that Jesus, thank you for your great love for us. And all this, once again, we thank you in your precious name. Amen. So in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Thank you, elders, for helping. Now I want to just close with the promise that Jesus made. As he did this, he says this, I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new. With who? With you and me. In my Father's kingdom. I'm looking forward to that. Having a meal with Jesus. I'll probably have some Mexican on my plate. I don't know what you'll have. But I'm sure it'll be your favorite. It'll be better than any food you've ever eaten on this earth. I'll guarantee you that. It will be perfect. And I end with this verse. I ended it with the other week. And that is in Revelation 3.20. And this is where Jesus is 
talking to the church of Laodicea, which we really believe that that's us. They're lukewarm. Warm. You know, they're, they're, they're not cold. They're not hot. And what I want us to be is a people that we're hot. We're hot. We're on fire for Jesus. And how do we do that? Again, just continue to practice the things that we've been talking about each week. And that is being filled with His Spirit daily. Allowing Him to, to mold us and change us. Allow Him to get in there and work on us being the people He's called us to be. And so He says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice, open the door. And what will He do? He's going to come and share a meal with us as friends. Praise God.